Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 75. You're with myself, Paul Spain. Nate Dunn. And Alistair Cook. Good to have you guys back in the studio. Thanks. Always a pleasure to be here. Now, there's been some uh, some big news break today. Uh, it's a bit of an a bit of an unusual uh, unusual day. I mean, there is always big bigish sort of tech news happening and product announcements, and you know, there there's always the odd surprise things that we weren't expecting. Uh, but you know, the last few days has been a, a lot of rumor and um, uh, conjecture around what Microsoft might uh, might be announcing today. Yeah, I've been following the the rumors and conjecture on Engadget and on on the Verge and. Uh, Hearing the, that very short notice, all the uh, tech journalists were, were being called to, to Los Angeles to something. Didn't, uh, wasn't it actually quite late as well? Like they were, they were, given, so, they yeah. were given four days, uh, US journos were given four days notice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here in New Zealand, there was absolutely nothing. There was no mention that anything uh, was happening, uh, nothing official. In fact, I don't think we've even been sent any, uh, any press releases today. Um, so it's been very much centred around um, the US, which you know, I guess Microsoft's a US company, uh, and and focusing on um, those sort of bloggers and 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 journo's and so on that are uh, that are US based. But even in the US, it's interesting to note that some, you know some of the guys like the big uh, podcasters haven't necessarily uh, you know even received invites. So they've they've maybe been quite. Um, uh, specific around who they've they've invited. Quite cagey about um, the numbers. And as as Nate said, it was also at six thirty at night California time, so it wasn't during the business day or anything. It was an unusual launch time even for that. Yeah. And they kept the uh, they kept the announcement uh, of the venue even uh, under wraps until uh, until ten a.m. So uh, you know people had a few days warning that they had to get to LA, and then once they got there, they had to sort of keep a little bit of a, a watch on to uh, make sure they knew uh, they knew where it was. So. Because I wasn't following it really, really closely. They also received cards, didn't they, that said 5.20 p.m. or something on it at some stage for the event? And I, I remember reading it, then I got distracted by a phone call. So I, did anything come about that? or I don't recall see, seeing that one, so okay. uh, I'm not, not, not sure what that related to. So, uh, you know, for those, those that haven't caught it yet anyway, I guess the... Uh, uh, the big news is, is that Microsoft is entering uh, the PC market uh, with some uh, devices, I guess, you know, they, they call uh, you know, everything that runs Windows other than a phone a, a PC. Uh, so we're not talking sort of full desktop uh, PCs, but uh, tablets. And, you know, we've talked, I guess, over the last few months quite a lot around the, uh, the potential of what we might see uh, once Windows 8 comes to market. And uh, really Microsoft has sort of jumped in and uh, ha- have announced really um, two tablets come. Well, well, they're not quite laptops. Um, no, I but, definitely but, call but them they're, they're, straight out tablets. They're, they're like. tablets that are able to perform the function of a laptop as well with the uh, um, the keyboard capability that that, um, yeah, that you and, can add onto them. And very right? nicely touchpad built into those keyboards that uh, both models of the keyboard appear to to provide a screen cover kind of behavior so it's, it's like having a case a keyboard case on your uh, on your tablet which is something i'm a fan of it really is the best of both worlds because if you've ever traveled with a tablet it's really pretty slow and cumbersome to type on and so having a keyboard and even it, it seems really basic but even having something where the the tablet actually sits up on an angle instead of trying to balance it on your knees and trying to balance a 
um, USB, uh, not USB, a Bluetooth keyboard as well. Having it all in one, I think, is a really, really good idea. It certainly looks it looks slick. It looks as though uh, Microsoft have have put a lot of energy and, and effort into coming up with something that um, you know can really compete with anything else that's on the market uh, today. Uh, and and then some and I've you know I've seen a lot of tweets and comments today from uh, you know fans of of, of Apple and uh, and a- Android uh, offerings that have been you know people that have been really really impressed with Microsoft, with what Microsoft are bringing to the market. Um, I guess the big the big question is why are Microsoft entering uh, entering the PC space? You know it's been their business model really for the last uh, you know. 25 years or so for them to uh, in fact probably you know 30 years odd now for them to really partner up with hardware manufacturers and be producing the software that sits on top that's been their predominant model and seems to have been their recipe for success was was as opposed to apple's early days when you had to buy apple hardware to get their os and nobody wanted the apple hardware to any great extent uh, the recipe for success for microsoft was uh, licensing out to OEMs to actually ship their own hardware with the operating system on. As you say, 25 years of success. Uh, I guess pro- possibly time for a change. Well, yeah. What What are your thoughts on, on this one, Nate? Um, does, it, does it make Does it make immediate and obvious sense, or do you think there's there's a lot that's been going on in the background here? As you know, I guess we've seen you know iPads that are really you know and the iPhone and Android devices really stolen a march on Microsoft over the last um, you know four four years or so. Um, is this uh, is this going to really uh, you know change the picture for them, or is it going to get them into more hot water because they're upsetting all the people that uh, that sell their products today? Yeah, I think time will tell. It'll be interesting to see, um, well, what I've seen especially, and this is just a very general comment, but hardware manufacturers tend not to make very good interfaces, very good software, and and vice versa. Software manufacturers don't tend to make really good hardware. They they tend to stick to their knitting and and do the other um, realm of of the product quite badly. So, yeah, I I think Microsoft is sort of taking a um, a page out of the Apple book and, and saying, well, look, if we actually manufacture the hardware, if we keep a, a close control on everything right from the start, we can guarantee um, it's going to perform really well. Um, I don't know. Look at the Samsung model where they've actually just put on Android. They haven't run their own version of, well, I don't know, Samsung OS or whatever they're going to do. So. Mm. Yeah, I suppose you've got Apple that's got the hardware and the software. Now Microsoft's got the um, hardware and the software and Samsung's still sitting sort of with a, a hybrid model. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how the space sits in, say, a year and see which of mm. those those um, uh, sort of partnerships actually work, whether it's better to do everything or to get um, another partner with another company that can actually do that really, really well. Well, I think that there's probably some interesting uh, you know points that are worth, worth thinking about here. Um, you know, Microsoft has partnered with, I guess, you know, Hewlett Packard have been their, uh, you know, their, their biggest partner over the last few years. Uh, you've got Lenovo, um, Dell, Acer, etc. So you've got these uh, companies that have been there. There, um, well, they've relied on those companies really to sell uh, to sell Windows. If those companies weren't out selling Windows devices, uh, then Windows wasn't selling. But on the flip side. Those same companies have, in most cases, also been selling products with a competing operating system. So, uh, you know, HP came in with uh, with the touchpad. That was their play uh, in the tablet space. 
And I guess we go back to uh, the time when Windows Windows 7 launched and Microsoft had kind of gone ha- halfway or, or partway really with the touch user interface. Uh, but their their goal and and they you know they were very um, uh, open with showing off uh, potential devices and talking about products that were going to come out to market around Windows Seven. Um, in a lot of cases, those products never actually came to market. So Microsoft was out waving the flag, saying we've got this great piece of software, and these are the tablets that that are going to come to market. And then those products never came to market. So you can you can sort of see where. Uh, um, Microsoft may just want to actually rule their own destiny somewhat, and and by having their own uh, their own hardware, they don't have to wait for um, you know HP, Dell, or or anyone else to release a killer product. Um, you know they can put the effort in and and uh, and sell it themselves. What do you think the you know looking at a a Apple launch where they demonstrate the the new iPad and then you can pretty much go and buy it not long after it's launched. What do you think Microsoft's reasoning between behind, sorry, um, showing everyone this but saying, look, there's a bit of a delay for us actually for you to be able to get what your hands on one? Well, it, it is it is quite classic Microsoft. In fact, you know, if we go back in the in, in the industry over the last sort of you know ten even you know twenty years, um, you know, it was very common for people to talk about this product that that's coming soon, uh, and sometimes those have been products that are one to two years away. Uh, and the you know the technique was was traditionally used to put people off buying a competitor's product because of the the hype and the excitement around what you know this coming product might do. Now some of it turned out to be vaporware and that it, that it never actually ever uh, saw the light of day. I think this is a different story. You know people have had hands on with it. There's, you know there's no chance that. Uh, Microsoft are going to uh, are going to turn around and not release the uh, the product, but what they do want to do is to stop people going out and buying competing products. and I and I saw um, a, a tweet there from uh, uh, one of the one of the New Zealand um, journos who we, we'll we'll have on the podcast probably over, uh, sometime uh, later on in the year, um, who who was talking about the fact that he had just gone out and bought uh, bought an iPad. Uh, and then this news comes out, and so um, you know there, there's certainly an, an audience that would hold off buying another device, knowing that this one's this one's available. It's certainly playing in my mind. I'm using a three-year-old laptop, an iPad, and uh, Galaxy S2 as my travelling collection of IT. And at the moment, I'm trying to think how I'm going to stretch out the life of my laptop until I can actually buy the the IT device, and hoping it'll ship uh, before I get to San Francisco at the end of August. I I think um, that I would be wishful thinking. I, but, I suspect uh, it will be. Uh, but you know, hey, anything's possible. But um, but maybe not that. Um, so let, let's just have a look through the sort of the specs of the uh, the devices. So what Microsoft have announced uh, today uh, are sort of preliminary specifications, I guess, because we don't have the full detail. We don't know. Uh, you know whether these two devices are going to come in a whole you know uh, varying uh, range of of models to a big degree um, although they've given out a fair bit of info so we've got two we've got the uh, Windows RT um, which is the ARM based uh, presumably much longer battery life for the same weight uh, but not able to run anything but Metro apps yeah so the the um, the 
the um, the what's it called? Surface. Um, it's not Surface RT. Where's the uh, the official? So Surface is now the uh, the branding for these tablet devices that are, are touch enabled, uh, tablet form factor. This branding you may have seen before on the the big uh, table that was a touchscreen table. That branding has now changed to PixelSense, and Surface is the the branding for this consumer or or end-user-oriented uh, tablet device. That's it. And there will, there's a lot of info if you want to have a look online at surface.com. So the official title I'm seeing here is Surface for Windows RT is the um, the model that really is, a, I guess, aimed as a direct competitor against the existing tablets that are in the market, uh, f- you know, running Android and iPad. It's the iPad uh, attacker. And so it's about the same weight, about the same thickness, about the same um, dimensions for width and, and, and length. So it is That's very it. much the same form factor. Yep. And, of course, the singing and dancing difference is the cover that comes with it, the smart cover on your, your iPad. It'll turn the iPad on when you open it, but you can't use it as a keyboard. Mm. Whereas this, this touch cover, which is the, the thinner of the two covers, is a full keyboard. Probably not one that you want to do a lot of typing on because it appears to just be a mat which has got some sort of conductive sensing where you press on the mat and it, it registers. But you do have a sort of a, a, a touch you know, it's not well, just a completely flat surface as it is, you know, there yeah, is there's a, a, discussion there's that a that slight there's differentiation, isn't the, there, around the The, the guys who got to the show were saying there was some differentiation, there was some, some ridging on it, sort of sandpaper-like or not that rough, right, but there was yeah. some, some roughness to the key area so you could differentiate yeah. them. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it sa- I mean, this sounds like the sort of thing... Um, you know, dare I say it, that, that um, you know, you could just imagine Steve Jobs up on stage sort of talking about the oh, absolute and just, awesome, awesomeness and, yeah, oh, not only have we come out with this new device that does da-da-da-da-da yeah. and it looks really cool and it's uh, magnesium, etc., uh, etc. Et yeah, look at, look at this awesome case that you can Which get also, for it. Yeah. I particularly like that the, the keyboard case cover... Uh, is is not a Bluetooth device. It's it's a direct uh, wired connection. connection, so I can legitimately use it on a plane, and I don't have to worry about wireless. And you don't and have to think about else to char- charge. charging it up and and so on either, right? So um, n- now I think the big differentiator for those who who haven't sort of really looked heavily into this, the thing to be aware of uh, compared to an iPad, because that's going to be the big comparison here. It's the iPad that takes the lion's share of, of sales when it comes to tablets today, um, as well as the, the difference of the Windows 8 uh, you know, user interface and experience, which, which will work extremely well from a touch perspective, but you know, bring its live tiles and so on, is the fact that uh, being uh, a, you know, a full-blown Windows operating system, it supports uh, mouse and keyboard you know, equally with the touch, right? And that was why, for me, um, the new iPad was was a no-go because there's absolutely no support for a mouse. So when I'm travelling, working away and taking control of something back in my data shed uh, that's a Windows PC sitting in a virtual machine in my data shed, I don't get a mouse. I have to give up some space on my screen to get a virtual touchpad, and that's painful to use. Yeah. Uh, that's why I still travel with a laptop. Because there is just no way with the iPad uh, yet that you can plug a mouse in or anything that really sort of emulates a, 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 a jailbreak so I right. could use a Bluetooth mouse and the experience was so unpleasant that I actually w- broke, went back from, from jailbreak to, mm. um, to a standard build. 
so yeah, so I think that that's probably one of the uh, one of the one of the key factors. Now, just having a quick look at uh, at some of the other specs. Now, both the um, uh, the Surface for Windows RT, which is the one that uses the um, the ARM processor, as 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 do the um, iPad and Android devices out there, and then the um, the Surface for Windows 8 Pro, which runs the professional version of Windows 8, uh, and basically has in it the same sort of chip that would be in a um, uh, in a new laptop or Ultrabook. So that's based on a, a full blown uh, Intel uh, core CPU. Um, both of those have got um, 10.6 inch screens, which is which is a, I think a, which is a reasonable size, a, a reasonable tablet. sort of size, and a little bit of a, a step up from a lot of tablets today that are. Uh, you know, nine point six to ten point one. Um, yeah. So, if you've got the the sort of nine inch, then yeah, that makes a little bit of a difference. I don't think that's really going to make uh, you know a huge difference to to most people, but I I quite like that sort of size. I've used a, a laptop with a sort of a twelve inch type screen for a long time, so um, I always sort of thought, oh, going down to a tablet with a smaller screen might be a bit of a mere, but that's not quite as as scary at ten point six inch. Yeah, and it's a reasonably large resolution. It's it's um, appears to be about a one megapixel display on the RT device, and I, I have a netbook which is a ten inch screen and and one megapixel display, which is probably vastly comparable. And that's what I've been running Windows eight on, and it's it's very usable at that resolution. Yep. So it's uh, it's effectively sort of a seven twenty p or a, or a you know, on a TV, what we call an HD ready um, type resolution, and then it's yeah. full HD uh, on the uh, the Surface for Windows 8 Pro. So that's really high resolution. Um, not quite uh, the same as the resolution on uh, the third generation iPad with its the retina sort of display. Retina display. Um, but I, you know, full HD resolution. I'd, I'd be uh, more than happy with with that. I think for uh, yeah, and for most be, operations. being Windows, you're not going to see everything pixel doubled up because it hasn't been redeveloped for a, a higher res display. You're going to be seeing it natively operating at that display. Yeah, so it's, I mean, some stuff could look really, really small. I guess if you're running uh, tra- traditional apps, but Windows has always been designed to handle the varying sort of resolutions quite well. So yeah. and not you can too many dramas there. Tune your settings so that your fonts are large enough to read. Mm. Uh, now, quite a big difference between the, as we would expect, between the Surface for Windows RT, the ARM-based system, uh, which comes in at um, around 680 grams, and the Intel-based um, one, the Surface for Windows 8 Pro, which is uh, around 900 grams. Yeah, and it's about 50% thicker compared to the uh, RT. And from what I read early on, it's it's physically larger as, all, as well, although the screen isn't isn't physically larger. It's a larger bezel around it. Yeah, but 900 grams for a full-blown oh, uh, It appears to be system. an i5 CPU, um, CPU from what I read. That, that, to me, sounds fantastic. I mean, I've, as I say, always you know had laptops with smaller screens, sort of ultra-portable, and usually they tend to come in at around the sort of 1.4 uh, to 1.5, you know, kgs for those sort of smaller, small and light uh, laptops. And um, you know we've seen that starting to come down a, a little bit with the ultrabooks, but not a big variation um, mm. on that. It tends to have been you've ended up with a bigger screen and the same um, sort of weight. So I think uh, that drop down to 900. Uh, Grams is going to be pretty awesome for people that want a full-blown and powerful sort of machine, uh, and 
Now, this, the uh, the internal storage is interesting with the um, with the ARM based system. They're going to be available in thirty two gig and sixty four gig um, sizes, uh, as well as some support for micro SD. And in the uh, the Intel based one, they're going to be sixty four and one twenty eight um, gigs, which I guess when we compare it to systems with a physical hard drive, um, it, it, that's a whole chunk smaller. But what I'm tending to see is that I don't need that much storage, particularly in this type of device that's really cloud-connected. What do you guys think? Nate, could you cope with a machine with only 128 gigs worth of storage in it? You're a, you know, a sort of a power user in terms of the stuff that you do. Um, you, you want something that's got a reasonable amount of... Um, um, you know, storage, storage, and, and grunt usually. To be honest, that's probably well over what I'd, I'd use. What, all the stuff we use at work is all cloud-based. Like we're using Google hosted apps and online Dropbox and all that sort of stuff. So the actual amount of um, storage space on one of those devices to me is actually not really a, a big problem. But you know, if you had a lot of photos or you're doing a lot of media files or whatever, then um, that's probably going to be more. But Especially in our industry, our software development industry, it's probably not as important as, I suppose, some of the other ones. But this is never going to be a media creation device. No. You're not going to be using this to to edit uh, high-def video, uh, which would be something well, you, that would, would clearly... But, but you probably could you do, probably right? probably could, um, and to well, a degree, the, and, it, and it supports... Um, you know, it's the, the got Pro One's got USB three, full so you USB three port, USB3 so you hard drive out, big hard drive. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of flexibility. I guess the other thing to remember is this is just Microsoft's announcement on their product, and there's going to be a lot of other Windows RT and Windows eight uh, Pro based devices coming to the market. How sure are we um, of that? Because there was no partners showing up. At, uh, from what we've seen of the coverage, there was no sign that any of the the headline OEMs of devices were actually present or, or involved. Well, they, they'll bring out their own devices around Windows 8 that we you know we saw um, the last a week or two back with Computex. So there are other you know other Windows 8 products coming to market, and you know let's face it, those companies are you know their uh, you know a good chunk of their uh, their revenue is on selling PCs in some form. Uh, so I think we're gonna we're gonna see uh, you know competing products from Microsoft's partners to. Um, uh, you know, to fill out the market. And, you know, we all have different requirements. Some people want 3G, some people won't. Some people will, will not want a keyboard. Uh, yeah, there will be a whole variety of sort of um, things. You, you know, talk about video editing. Some people probably want, want something with a 500 gig SSD and a, uh, you know, 12-inch, 14, uh, who knows what other sort of form factors and so on we'll see. But I think this sets quite a good, uh, quite a good benchmark for the other vendors to sort of have to because uh, we uh, haven't seen against, anything right? Windows based that would fit in these form factors before. This is a completely new form, hmm. and I think that's that's possibly why why Microsoft have gone so hard out and hit hit lots of publicity on this one because they built up a buzz very quickly, got a lot of interest. We've been talking about it for twenty minutes, uh, and they they're sort of getting a bit of a mind move a bit of a march and the the industry may be telling the the oems where they've got to go with their products for windows 8 i know this is quite simple but i just like the fact it's got a usb port it's nice it. having a full-blown usb yeah. right you can just, you can just walk in attach it to a printer or a digital camera or, or anything just and a usb being, being able to transfer a file especially if it's big usb stick my yeah. Samsung galaxy tab you got to use wireless and if it's a big file it takes forever it, it sounds mm. ridiculously stupid but 
having USB is just, I think, brilliant. Yeah, and, I've and had that feedback from a few people today. You were mentioning it before, Alistair. Yeah, I want to plug in my my Logitech wireless keyboard and mouse when I'm in the hotel room. Mm. Um, because I'm, I'm going to sit down with this thing and, and write an article to go on my blog or on on one of the websites that I'm published on and, and I need a proper keyboard to do that. I'm certainly not going to do it with either of the covers that this thing comes with. Mm. They'll be great for catching an email out while I'm traveling, but um, even the, the, the key cover, which has got a, an actual mechanical keyboard in it, mm. is still not going to be suitable for spending two hours writing an article on No, no. Unless you're really, really patient. So I, th- I think, you know, it looks as though Microsoft have have sort of, I guess, read the market quite well in terms of, for people to really jump in boots and all and move away from uh, traditional form factors of PCs and laptops, you, know, you you need to have a device that's going to really cover all of these bases. And it may seem a bit ugly and odd to need all these all the extra ports compared to you know the iPad, which has really just got you know got one port, got got, got one. Um, but yeah, it looks as though they've judged it quite well. I mean, when I looked at it initially, I thought, well, oh, can't you just you know plug in a converter? Why do you you know why do you need the full USB port? But I think you know the feedback I've had today, uh, you know, and when you actually think about it, replacing replacing a, a laptop or a full blown PC, it makes a huge amount of sense. And there'll be people saying, well, I need four USB ports. Um, you know, so you know you're never going to please uh, please everyone, but uh, actually having that full blown USB port, I think, is a uh, you know goes yeah. a long way in, in and, the right direction. And being Windows, you can plug in a USB hub, and it's going to work. Uh, not necessarily the case if you put a USB port onto something else. Yeah, that's yep, yeah, that's true. And and I guess you know where where Microsoft's playing on here, uh, you know, with this is the fact that there are so many Windows apps out there, the, the the drivers and devices, you'll be able to plug just about anything in, in theory, to these new, um, uh, the, the the new Surface devices and, you know, expect it to be able to work. You know, you That's expect to be able to That's probably true print. for the Pro device, which is running the full edition of Windows. It's significantly less true, I think, for the RT device because it's a, a processor architecture that we've not previously run Windows on that it's going to be new development, new development kits for OEMs. And so I think it is going to be hard. I think there's going to be a a hill to climb, the same as there is for 64-bit Windows, uh, or there was for 64-bit Windows. There aren't necessarily the drivers for the things you want. that's a good point. I think, um, I mean, interesting for Windows 7, that just wasn't an issue at all for 64-bit because... Vista, Vista had been Vista out, had driven it. Uh, and the Vista drivers worked on 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 seven uh, in in general. So you had a very um, and I've had a similar experience with Windows eight um, preview working really nicely with the drivers that I've used on the same machine with seven. Mm. So I mean, my pick is that we will see certainly with new devices coming to market that they will they will just have uh, drivers available to work out of the box with. Um, uh, with Windows, with Windows RT, uh, um, and a, and a lot of you know, um, and there'll be a lot of drivers built into the operating system for existing, existing devices, devices that have been around and, for and a while. Particularly but some of the really nice generic devices like human input, you know, keyboard, mouse stuff mm. is really easy to implement. But there probably will be will be some gaps, and 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 it and it is a point to be aware of. You've got some old webcam that you're thinking of plugging into your, you know, your fancy um, new. Um, Surface for Windows RT, well, you know, it might not work. 
It may do, but these these uh, yeah, and you print, know, printers is also going to be one of those fun areas as it always is. Yeah. But I get, you know, if we look at the other, if we look at the other ecosystem, we look at Android and we and we look at um, at iOS, they're not really so geared up with this big ecosystem, are they? In terms of being able to, you know, guarantee that you can you can print the, from yeah. these devices or use a fingerprint reader or you know whatever the obscure get you know gadget is that connects into uh, your device um, you know you, you've got a pretty reasonable chance on Windows that this stuff's all going to line up um, line up fairly well I suppose that moves across not only to that platform but you know um, something like the Amazon Kindle works really really well because they've realized that the Kindle's only one small part of the whole uh, solution you can't just have a Kindle you actually have to have all the content behind it and so, you know, the same argument is the same here, that you can't just throw a tablet together and go, yep, ready to go, because then users go, well, what can I run on it? And if there's nothing, you know, the hardware is only a small proportion of it, you need that big behemoth of, of an ecosystem behind it to actually make yeah, it useful. Yeah, and I think Microsoft have been, um, you know, uh, playing, in, you know, in most regards very aggressively in terms of building up their ecosystem. And you know there was the the uh, the leak over the weekend around um, the so-called Xbox 720, and there was a lot of info that leaked out there that I'm sure Microsoft probably weren't too pleased about. The document was a couple of years old, but it still looks towards the future of where Microsoft are going. And we had that smart smart glass uh, announcement uh, also in in the last um, uh, couple couple of weeks. At E3, yeah, yeah, and there, there's there's just. Um, there's a really growing uh, story around, um, you know, this ecosystem uh, picture from Microsoft where they're trying to make sure they fill every single gap. And Apple have actually done this really well in the past and uh, Google have, have been doing, um, have been doing a, a good job of sort of filling in the gaps so that you can go, you can pick a vendor, an Apple, a, a Google or a Microsoft and uh, and get a whole lot of pieces of the sort of the technology puzzle. So you can go to one vendor. I can get my laptop. I can get my phone. Uh, I can get my tablet. I can get my movies. I can get my music. I can get my apps. I can get books. Uh, so there's all of these you know uh, differing bits and pieces. You get something to plug into your TV. Uh, and you know with with this particular play, that really fills the, the story out for uh, for Microsoft in terms of. Um, uh, having a really strong ecosystem with, I guess, a lesser reliance on third parties as we've seen in the past. Question is, will it will it work? You know, are you guys are you guys using um, an ecosystem at the moment? Are, are either of you sort of boots and all in with a Apple or you know Google or Microsoft? I have to say, and I hate to admit it, but I'm a Samsung fanboy. I just bought a Samsung printer, not because I liked the printer, but it was on special. So my TV Samsung, my printer Samsung. I see you can get Samsung fridges, so that's probably the next thing. I've got a <laughs> Samsung Galaxy S2, Samsung tablet, um, my laptop H- HP. HP laptop there. Yeah, I'm 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 slowly transitioning into the the Samsung cult, I suppose. Um, but that's not because I specifically seek out Samsung. It just works best for my needs, I suppose. Yeah, but I guess in in that case, that doesn't preclude you from. Uh, 
from say picking uh, Google or or Microsoft to sort of tie in with that. In fact, you know, you mentioned you you know you use Google Apps, but you're also using Microsoft Windows. Um, you know, we've got uh, they've each got their storage systems. You've got your music and those other other elements. Um, would you if you went with a um, with one of these new uh, Windows devices um, with the Surface? Would you do you think that would then push you a little bit more down their track, and you might think a bit more seriously about say an Xbox uh, and and other other bits? Jumping across, we'd probably also look at transitioning our emails across to something like Office three six five off Google hosted apps. The decision we made to well, as a business to go Android was really because we're using um, Google, and it just you know just ties in together really really nicely. So I'm. We try to not get too um, involved in things that don't click together. Mm, I think as mm. as any successful company will tell you, you really need to stick to your knitting. If it's something that's on the sort of um, peripherals or, of what you do, you really need to outsource it. Just get stuff that works and then concentrate on the stuff that actually makes you money. And is that what Microsoft are, are, are delivering here? Some, you know, a whole range of things that are going to work nicely together? I think that's something they're aiming for with particularly the... the I keep coming back to the IT bill because I'm actually really excited about it as, as being something that's entirely controlled by Microsoft, just ships to you and works. Um, you asked about ecosystems, I'm in all three, so I have in my hand an Android phone, I have uh, I didn't bring it with me, but I have an iPad as well, and of course Windows PCs and uh, Windows 8, so I'm um, for, it works extremely well with, with Office 365 on, on Windows 8. And so I'm in all three ecosystems, and in some places I bought the product, the same third-party product, to work in each of those ecosystems. And I'd love to have one market that allowed me commun- communal um, use across across each of them for the same apps. So, as we look we look forward, and Microsoft are making you know um, some what are likely to be some reasonably big announcements around Windows Phone 8 uh, in the in the next few days, and we'll we'll cover that on next week's podcast. Um, but you know, with with these things sort of starting to fall together, you know, neither of you uh, use Windows Phone at the moment. Uh, could you imagine if Windows Phone is say a variation on on uh, on R- on you know Windows RT, but works on the on the phone, and that you know, let's say that the things that we see now synchronizing across Windows eight devices will synchronize back to your phone. That that would um, encourage you to have another look at uh, Windows Phone as a, as a platform? I think it would. Um, before I jumped into the sort of smartphone arena, this was a few years ago, I had a Nokia E71 and it, mm. looking back I was running Outlook with a program to sync to Google Calendar and that would then sync to my phone. Now the fact that I can add an appointment to my calendar and it just it's on the phone, it's all taken for granted. So if I was to swap across to Windows Phone, yeah, I would be a big fan of that just sort of transparent don't have to think about it sort of synchronization I, I know there's nothing worse than having that sort of data if you're in a meeting or if even if you I tend to miss I think one big meeting a year that's my my sort of whoops so just having the fact that it's really just set and forget you don't have to worry about it, it will always work yeah it gets a big tick from me okay yeah and I tend to change devices quite a lot so I would like to have all of my preferences all of my how I like things to be all synced up into one place, and I haven't yet seen that Microsoft offers it or anybody else. No, it's, it's, it a, it's improving across all the vendors, isn't it? You yeah. know, I, I noticed that. Uh, you know, with iOS, iOS five, that's that's just you know moving forward. Uh, I set up my um, Galaxy S three today, 
and uh, you know that took my Google profile and reinstalled a bunch of apps that I that I had on um, uh, one of my other Android devices, mm. and they mm. all just it, and that's, you know that's it, been it, my experience of it, changing Android that, devices. That, but that lit up. Uh, I want the next layer. I want my mail um, setup because it, although you get all of your apps come out of out of Google Play, your your mail configuration doesn't come out even if you're using. Um, you know, pop retrieval from your Gmail account, that kind of stuff doesn't show up, and I'd love that to come out. Yeah, of the it'll be interesting to, to see how far they can go with that because some of that, you know, the the passwords and so on associated with it, maybe there's there's a reason that they, they no don't want one, to store no all of do your that. But you know, when I look at uh, Windows 8, 8 here, and I've got it on this laptop, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that are on here that have just automatically appeared, um, matching up with my configuration on on my home PC. You know, from the desktop wallpaper, um, yeah. and and you know, th- through to to uh, you know, favourites and things like that, and and Internet Explorer. Um, so, I mean, my pick is we will see that in uh, in Windows 8, and uh, whether that goes as far as what we will want, I'll probably say no, it won't. Um, but it's certainly a, a step in the right direction, and I can see uh, there being some some of those convenience factors that yeah. that you both mention around being on uh, on one ecosystem. They need to get Angry Birds synced up so that when I play Angry Birds on my tablet, I don't have to redo it on my phone. That's that sort of stuff's really important, that isn't it? Very, very important. I hate the fact I've got to redo Do Angry Birds on my phone. Do you not have teenage children who will get ahead of where you are <laughs> on Angry Birds? Oh, my partner does it. So, but yeah, synchronize Angry Birds. That's that's the next big concentration, I think. And I think that needs to be cross-platform as well yep. because. Of course, exactly. we're using multiple platforms for our Angry Birds consumption. Yeah. The, other, the other thing, I um, now we, you know, we, we, we a lot of talk about um, Windows on on the on the ta- on the tablet, and you know, um, naturally with the announcement today. But the other bit that's um, that stands out for me about uh, Windows is if you have a device that needs to be shared in a family, um, that's a real annoyance for me with with my iPad, which is my main is the main tablet in the house at the moment. It has no idea um, of users. We and do have the users. Kindle Fire um, as well. Those are sort of the you know our our two main sort of mainstream uh, tablets. We've got Android and, and iOS, and yeah, it is really annoying that um, you know my wife can't flick over and get her emails and all of that stuff on the device. And um, you know she probably enjoys reading my uh, tweets and and DMs and having having a look at, at my stuff on there, but it's not much use to her. Um, yeah. You know, it's probably more, well, it's, you know more it's a of an annoyance. Device, so. so you just have to buy one for each person in the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And that, that's not okay. happening well, in my family well, either. Well, <laughs> well, well, like I can uh, imagine that I'm going to be getting told that very shortly. But. Um, yeah, with with that RT device, I'm certainly hopeful that we'll still have the same as we've got across Windows, where you you know you can have multi users on one one device, and um, uh, certainly on the um, the full blown Intel, we know that that that's, that's you know be a, a given. It's, it's that's a given. So um, yeah. yeah, some some interesting things. I think we could probably chat about this for a, for a whole lot uh, a whole lot we've longer. We've certainly chatted about it for an hour um, before we started recording. And and yeah, and as you say, we 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 have done. Um, you know, I think that's some good insights. There's, there is a whole lot more uh, online and and um, you know both local media and in particular the US media that have really had uh, close hands on. There's there's a fair bit of coverage. Um, we will certainly over the next week uh, probably get access to a lot more info, uh, and so we'll give this some more coverage over the over the next few weeks. Uh, also, next month I'm going to be up at uh, Microsoft's Worldwide Partner Conference in Toronto, uh, so I'm 
certainly hopeful that uh, I'll have hands-on with some of this hardware and be able to share a little bit uh, more of the sort of real-world experience. Um, so we'll be uh, we'll certainly be coming coming back with um, with that info as well. Uh, but on to uh, on to other topics. Um, now, guys, over the over the weekend, we'll we'll, um, we'll cover this one off off quickly. But it was it was interesting that uh, a bunch of uh, uh, Microsoft slides got leaked around this um, uh, Xbox Seven Twenty roadmap. But didn't they? Was it the end of last year that they announced that the three hundred and sixty? People were saying that it had really come to the end of its life, but they're saying that it had still like, got a couple more years. Yeah, in I it. can't remember how long. Yeah, it had. They, they were talking about you know a, a year or two more in it. And I, you know, a lot of people were expecting, oh, maybe there's going to be a new Xbox and announced this year at E three. Uh, whereas you know, other people are suggesting, well, it could be it could be two thousand and fourteen. It could be still two years away uh, before there's a replacement. So. It was interesting to see this little roadmap and and some of the things that were uh, uh, were in it because it, the document was um, uh, or the the uh, the slides were a couple of years old. Uh, some of that stuff we've seen already, but you know there's a bunch in there that um, uh, that's that's still sort of in in the future. Um, there were connect glasses uh, and a, a new sort of higher end connect uh, device. Uh, and the uh, the the concept of um, yeah an Xbox 720 or whatever that might end up uh, being called. Uh, there was talk of um, really, in fact, the picture the picture of it that we saw made it look like a, a, a set top box rather than a than a gaming device. All all of the key things in this leak were around. Uh, you know, being the only thing you need connected yeah, to your TV, re- I think, was some of the language in it. That's right. Re- you know, re- replace your Skybox or your, uh, you know, Freeview box, so it would allow you to record TV content. Um, you know, that was probably about the time when there were still visions for cable card as being the the standard for doing decodes of of whatever encrypted content you needed to take from your uh, TV provider as well. And that the cable card never really got out of the US, did it? It's, I don't uh, think it even got into the US. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so some interesting things there. Um, yeah, worth having a look online if you're enthusiastic around uh, uh, Xbox and this sort of te- technology. If you know, if you haven't seen it already, so um, yeah, some some fascinating uh, slides there, and and maybe still um, some ideas of of where a few of these things might tie together. Although I think a lot of the information about the the um, you know the future of where th- these things is going has has come out in our recent E3 uh, announcements around smart glass and so on too. Yeah, in- interesting to see one of the the concept pictures was of somebody with the glasses connected down to a a device that appeared to be strapped to the arm, which a little like Google's current interesting project of uh, augmented reality, but but for gaming. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know what that. What that might ultimately end up, um, um, yeah, becoming. But yeah, uh, yeah. The, the roadmap that that was in there it seemed to suggest that this would be uh, within Wi-Fi kind of range of your uh, Xbox 360 initially, and then moved to it, it looked to be saying maybe a 3G version, so you're going to carry it with you all the time. And hey, maybe that's going to be the future of your Windows Phone. Crazy. So now in um in in other bits and pieces um now there's there's an outfit um Nate, I think you've been probably following this um TrueNet who follow um ISP performance 
Um, there's been a lot of discussion around uh, around Geek Zone on it um, over the weekend, and um, I guess the news that came through was that um, um, out of you know providers of um, of uh, ADSL to- and DSL type services in New Zealand, that uh, that Vodafone have, have landed on top and are delivering the um, uh, the best performance. I remember maybe rewind two years ago when people would say to me, you know, you you work in IT, so you obviously know who the best broadband provider is. Um, and I would often say, oh, look, it's probably just easy to go with telecom. They never have the speed issues. You know, look back at World Exchange where they launched the torrent plan even though telecom did try and failed miserably and then they trialled it and failed miserably. Um, I, the the test, I think, is actually a little bit surprising. I used to have Vodafone Naked DSL at home and... Um, I've since swapped to Maxnet Unlimited, but the Vodafone, when we had it, worked like a champ, never had any um, outages, the speed was really good, um, I I watch a lot of Netflix and um, Hulu Plus on my Roku, and it streamed like a, a champion even when going through Unblock US in Canada. Um, no surprises that Slingshot's at the bottom, I don't know what you guys feel about Slingshot, but I thought that was pretty, um, yeah, pretty true, at least they're consistently um, awful. If I can say that, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, um, yeah, everyone's experience is going to is going to uh, differ, but it is good having this sort of as an independent uh, view where they're monitoring, uh, you know, a whole lot of people's internet connections and then able to feedback yeah. the the stats. So it, it does give us, I think, um, you know, probably a, a reasonably fair view. The interesting thing is there isn't necessarily a lot of variance between um, some of the providers, um, but. You know, you talked about uh, Vodafone being good, and you know they've they've come out on top on this one. Um, I've been with them probably a couple of years, and and uh, was with Telecom before that, uh, and I haven't you know I haven't been up upset in any way uh, with their performance and so on. They seem to deliver um, good results. Alistair, which um, which internet provider are you with? So I got to say, first off, my main connection is a slingshot connection that's uh, that's up at all of the time. That provides the connectivity for my bandwidth hungry family, and it, and it, and works, it works well for you. And I have, I think, had in the, the three years I've been running it, I think I've had two occasions on which it's given me grief. Uh, and then, of course, my business runs on a on a WiMAX connection provided by a, a ISP called NetSmart, who are based in in the Bay of Plenty, and whose whose owners I know um, somewhat remotely. And uh, then I also do have a Vodafone connection. So at my home, I have three different connections, two ADSL and one WiMAX. The Vodafone connection I don't use for anything other than to get my crappy cellular coverage in the house. You can't actually make a phone call on Vodafone inside my house unless I've got my femtocell running. Right, right. So you use the uh, the Shore, Shore signal Shore box? Shore signal device, yeah. And yep. uh, it's, it's been fabulous. I can actually ring my wife on her mobile while I'm travelling and, and she can actually answer the, the call without standing outside on the deck. And have you got, um, have you got or have you tried uh, other carriers within your home for mobile coverage? I mean, is it just that you're bad luck that Vodafone doesn't have coverage and the so others you, do? So you need to understand that I'm semi-rural. Yep. I am on the south side of a ridge and, and the best coverages on the ridge are on the north side. So it is a geographic location. I live in a village of probably now around 3,500 people, so it's not a large population. I haven't looked to see whether telecom uh, can offer me anything better, and I know two degrees coverage is, is certainly no better. Interesting. I, I, I don't think it actually matters if you're out in the WAPS because I've got your exact same issue, and I'm smack bang in the middle of Mount Eden. And I think it's just the way, and I'm not trying to propose that I'm some sort of RF, um, not RF, um, 
you know, mobile frequency um, genius. But I think we're sitting in some sort of like dead spot where they clash. And our coverage is also rubbish. So we... It seems to be everywhere I live because I lived up, up here <laughs> at Koei, back end of Koemarama previously. And, and it was marginal coverage at my house then. It's a, so it's a common issue, isn't it? live next to me. It's a common issue. I think Vodafone have geared themselves up um, to, to take advantage, I guess, of in some degrees New Zealand's topology. There, there are, you know, all sorts of business reasons and other reasons why we don't have perfect coverage on every network everywhere but um uh you know by by being the one uh carrier that allows you to plug in a box that um will give you extended coverage in your location yeah, it'll, it's, it'll a, give it's you a five big differentiator the house, isn't it? irrespective yeah. of what you've got yeah. without it yeah it is annoying how you can't have any other provider and it wasn't until i swapped yes. away from vodafone that um i've got a fenty cell running at home but i'm not specifying how I've got it going over MaxNet. But it's really annoying, the fact you've got to do all sorts of trickery to, um, if, you, if you've got the expertise to do that, or even if you do swap ISPs, which I have to admit I swapped and then thought about the Femtus out later, so it was a very much an afterthought. Yeah. And it's very annoying that the fact that Vodafone are locking it down then, but I can fully understand the business decisions behind that. Yeah, you can you can you can understand how those things well, how yeah, those the, things tie together. The Femto cell was free for me and, and Vodafone have to make some money somewhere because it cost them, particularly since they had to replace the original one. And well done for getting it for free because uh that's that's uh that's not always the case, but um, you know, there it's worth it's worth noting that um, yeah, there are situations where you will get Vodafone to come to the party and will uh, will look after you with that equipment. Okay, in uh, in other New Zealand uh, stories, we uh, we look at Zero now. They've just been um, admitted on uh, New Zealand Stock Exchange on the NZX to the NZX uh, fifty. Now, this is a, a technology company that providing their uh, cloud based accounting service. And they have really, uh, they've really grown in value over the past um, over the past few months. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been following this, but their um, their their market cap, which um, you know is, I guess, one way of of measuring the value of a of a business, is now at uh, over five hundred million um, New Zealand dollars, uh, which is um, some some fairly impressive numbers for. Uh, for a company that has yet to uh, yet to make a profit, we compare this to Trade Me. Uh, Trade Me, when they were um, uh, when they were originally uh, sold, went for uh, in the range of seven hundred seven hundred million. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. So we, I mean, this this is a, is is an extremely uh, valuable uh, company and. Uh, um, certainly, those who've uh, who've gotten at the the ground level and uh, uh, been smart enough to hold on to their um, shares, um, uh, I don't have any um, anymore. Um, uh, you know, probably will uh, will potentially do uh, do very well uh, if this uh, you know if they keep heading in this uh, direction. But it's it's interesting that um, they're uh, they're continuing to make money as they sort of focus on uh, on on some. Uh, uh, strong growth, which which they've certainly had. It's a hard market um, to crack because you've got your incumbents, where you've got your MYB, which is New Zealand and Australia, um, and then it's um, Sage in the UK, and I'm trying to think of the one in the US. Um, but you've got these well-established providers that have got big bases. Um, thinking about MYB, 
I think anyone that starts off a small business, MYB, um, along with something like Microsoft Office, is probably one of your first purchases. They've so been, the, that's been the, the standard the standard way most New Zealand businesses have operated, mm. and uh, you know, and today most of them continue, uh, you know, in that in that vein. But you know, we look at the uh, uh, the the growth of Zero. Um, you know, the the rate they're going, they'll pass a hundred thousand uh, customers. Um, you know, over the next little while, at some stage, uh, and that's um, you know that's monthly revenue for them, and I guess that's that's a difference compared to uh, uh, MYOB type purchases and so on, where um, it's yeah, a one-off the, purchase. Generally, you know, it's a one-off purchase, and then you probably have to update at some stage because of some accounting rule changes and and the like. But um, you know, it's not the same sort of revenue stream. Although MYOB have, have entered the you know uh, the cloud-based market as well with a uh, you know, a, um, a hosted um, accounting service as well, although it's, um, um, you know, certainly hasn't hasn't seen the success or the, um, um, you know, the the sort of reviews we've seen around Zero. Yeah, so, yeah. A, a I think different story. Time will tell on Zero success, but when I, because we we're a Zero um, development partner as a blatant plug, and when companies talk to us, pretty much they'll be running MYB or a similar product. And when they say, well, what do you do? You think Zero's got a, a good product and it's going to be there for a long time? My classic example, or my classic reason is when Craig Winkler, who was a former director, I think, or one of the owners of MYB, uh, invested a huge sum of cash in Zero. You've got someone. I think you know, he was one of the fa- the founders of, of MYOB yeah. um, and, uh, and and one of their key shareholders, and he yeah basically sold out and uh, invested a you know. Uh, millions into uh, into zero, so you know um, that that's a you know I guess a, a pretty uh, a strong um, uh, you know indication Incentive, of of yeah. his of his feeling of where uh, you know of zero's future. future of yeah, of small yeah. Business. Uh, so yeah, very interesting. So um, well done to um, to the zero team uh, there there in Wellington and uh, around the country and around the world. Um, so always, always great to hear, uh, you know, about New Zealand companies that are that are doing well on the global market. I know a lot of the customers are here in New Zealand, but, uh, but doing also doing very strongly. Australia, uh, UK, and US operation as well. So that's it. Yep. that's where the big money is. Yep. So um, nice to see them staying on shore for it, and um, with this, the sort of backing they've got, hopefully they can remain on shore. Exactly. So um, now, great to see. Um, now, just an interesting little little um, one that I that I uh, came across in the last few days was um, Lenovo are doing something interesting with um, with some of their ThinkPad laptops, and you know, probably in time with their uh, their tablet products as well, um, which is they're, they're offering a um, a way that you can add a three G type service to your device. Um, that doesn't have the traditional sort of roaming fees associated with it. So, um, and it was non-contract as well. It was, non-con- was paid, yeah, non-contract. Paid so you can sort of uh, you know hook in and, and and travel around various markets. Now it's not everywhere yet, and it doesn't cover the. Uh, I think their initial announcements haven't talked about it covering the New Zealand market, um, but certainly getting around a few countries in uh, um, Europe. Uh, they're probably initially targeting U.S. customers. Uh, but that idea that you can get and travel around and not be worried about getting stung with thirty dollars a meg for your data and and having some more reasonable, um, you know, or ten megs or whatever the the, the current rate is, uh, but having some, uh, you know, much more predictable and, and fairer data rates as you're travelling sounds sounds great. 
you really got to be careful when you're roaming and you always see the stories in the media and it makes me cringe every time where you get someone that goes to Australia and gets a text message and then pretends that they didn't get it and racks up huge data and, and phone charges. You get charges. a $10,000 bill and, oh, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, and surely by now that it's <laughs> happened so often that we know the telecos are not your friend, when, especially when you're roaming, that you buy a local SIM and start using it locally rather than paying them thousands of we dollars. We do need to get to a point, though, where that's not the case and where the, uh, you know, where... We, well, it's an interesting one. We could say that where the telcos don't need that revenue to be profitable, but the problem is there's there's more and more competition coming into the space, so there's probably more reason why they might look to try and make extra money uh, in, in the roaming market because they're not making it elsewhere. But it seems a, a, a not entirely honest way of making a crust, and that, that I think is our usual objection to it, is that it doesn't appear to be a direct... We, here is the value you're you're getting for the money you're spending. It now, just doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't seem fair, but I think knowing a, a little bit about how these things fit together, when you use your mobile overseas, you are often actually connecting back into New Zealand to get things done, and then things happen out of New Zealand. If the networks were able to, to work in a way where that didn't happen, where you didn't get that sort of tromboning of traffic, because maybe you're accessing a website, you're in Italy, you're accessing a website in Italy but your access actually has to go through New Zealand and back out to Italy. Compromising your experience, costing lots of things, being really inefficient. It would be nice if the, the networks could be engineered so that, that trombone didn't happen and there wasn't that vast cost of roaming. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I guess the the, uh, the flip side at the moment is that uh, you know, a lot of us that travel regularly have SIM cards for the countries that we go to. So, um, you know, our, our local carrier doesn't get any cut at all. Um, so if there could be a nice uh, middle ground, we're just you know we're, we're just putting it out there to our uh, yeah, our I'd friendly uh, telcos, um, and and often this is controlled by who they're partnering with and so on as well. So it's a it's a global issue rather than just a local one. Um, although we we know that um, the Commerce Commission has been looking into this um, and and studying the situation, particularly between New Zealand and, and Australia in these regards. Um, although our lowest roaming rates are, are to Australia and. Although that's uh, that's a relatively recent change, and it's been around the time that the Commerce Commission started looking. That's, that's a fair point. So, uh, um, yeah, we 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 would like to encourage um, um, you know continued reduction in those roaming rates. Yeah, um, I'd be perfectly happy to only be spending my my data money with one carrier rather than with the three that I currently do in order to cover roaming to different locations. Yep. No, I think we're uh, we're pro- probably all in the. Uh, all, all in in the uh, the same boat on that one. Uh, now, this this was interesting. Um, there was um, there was an auction in the last few days, and one of the first um, Apple um, um, kits, I guess. The you know the Apple Apple One was kind of a, a computer um, uh, kit. Um, one of those sold for um, three hundred something like three hundred and seventy-five thousand uh, US dollars. Yeah, apparently only fifty of these things still in existence, and only six still working. Although, looking at the circuit board photo that was in some of the coverage, it looked like they would be very repairable because they're made with big devices and 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 r- things that you probably can buy. Probably standard local... parts that are. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think some of them you could possibly still buy at Dick Smith, although they've stopped carrying those kinds of devices. J car, yeah. Yeah, go to J car for your components. That's so, incredible, three hundred seventy-five grand. So I guess it just it shows how how. Uh, 
um, you know, ev- even in the current economy, that there are there are collectors out there that will, um, you know, will collect rare things, and whether it's whether it's stamps or old computers or artwork that are fancy that are fancy to put on the wall and and are sought after um, because they're one offs. You know, there are always going to be. Uh, um, collectors willing to willing to spend yeah, and, some big and, money. And if they're a, a startup who's sold their business for half a billion dollars, then 375k for uh, one of only six working prototypes or original models. It, it sounds like a good deal to me. Be interesting thing to slot into sort of uh, conversation over a few beers that you've got this particular component. There's probably quite a small subset of people that would actually be interested. You'd just get blank stares otherwise. And the other one, there was um, the uh, Steve notes, uh, Steve Jobs uh, note from uh, from Atari that went for what was that twenty seven um, twenty seven thousand. Um, oh, that was the one that they were expecting yes. a fifteen thousand dollar maximum price, and it went for twenty seven k. Yeah, yeah. So I think that one's referenced in um, um, in the Steve Jobs. Um, uh, Biography, so and of um, course, since the the passing of since Steve, all sorts of things have become more valuable. Exactly, so it'll be interesting to to, to see whether these you know um, keep increasing in uh, in value. But um, well, I don't think I'll be buying any of them uh, soon. It's a little bit rich for me now. Uh, last little little topic, um, we've we've got a situation here. Uh, I think it's. Um, it's to do with a particular uh, mobile network here, Telecom New Zealand CDMA network, uh, which is um, due to be switched off in uh, at the end of the month, I believe, if I've got that right. Uh, and so that's creating a, a situation where, um, I guess across our listeners, you know, most of our listeners are reasonably tech-savvy and are, and are on uh, modern networks with modern phones, but you'll probably have family members that are, um, that are using various devices, and I, and I know across my family there's um, um, still some some usage of the old uh, telecom CDMA um, type phones. Uh, so all of the people that are on those phones have um, have you know can count down the days Limited until time to replace uh, them until which they need to move across. So uh, most of the carriers have sort of been doing specials to coax them, and you know obviously telecom are very keen to. Uh, to move them onto their own uh, uh, XT network or, or smartphone so network or whatever, or whatever as, as name you want to call their their um, uh, their current 3G network. Yeah, and it was a year or so ago my father-in-law got the, the cold call from Telecom saying you're on CDMA, you need to replace it before we retire the network and here's an offer. So I think it, it, for, for people who have been listening to the offers and not just hanging up on these people phoning them with telemarketing, uh, they're they will already have made the transition. I don't mm. think there'll be a huge population that hasn't transitioned. Oh, there. I think the num- last numbers we saw were in the hundreds of thousands um, that were hadn't transitioned. Now, you know how active these are, and whether all of them will tr- transition, or um, but it, you know it seems like there is a a, a base of uh, of users that are you know is potentially still sizable that haven't made the the move yet. Um, so, just wanted to highlight a few phones that are. Um, that are interesting to look at. Now, um, we, we'll try and have a little bit more of a hands-on on some of these phones over the next um, couple of weeks if time allows. Um, but uh, the, one of the ones we've got here that we've just passed around was um, Huawei's uh, G300, which is an Android handset. Um, that came into the market um, probably a couple of months ago at uh, priced at $449, but this price uh, dropped down to uh, 299 fairly quickly. 
and it's it's got a reasonably sized uh, four inch screen. Um, Alistair, you had a little bit of a play with it. What, what yeah, was your so feeling for I it? I had a play with it. I've, a I've had a couple of cheap Android devices in in my household, so uh, a very low end. Um, the Ideos um, X5 was the the sort of mid range one that I've had, and, and the old U8150 um, that my daughter had. And both of these felt like um, laggy and unpleasant to use when they I was They weren't very responsive, S2. were they? They were you kind of tiny screens as well. Yeah. So this this the G300 was it? Yeah. Um, nice device. I I found it quite pleasant to use. I had to poke around with it trying to find something that would actually tax it. The user interface moves nicely. You could open apps up. The, f- the, the whole thing was quite nicely responsive and a much larger screen than the, the cheap devices that I've seen before. So, I, yeah, as long as my children aren't listening, they, they might get a surprise on next birthday. So. <laughs> and you, you had a play, Nate? That were, what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's in sort of my mind, and that's having uh, my brother-in-law's got a, a cheap, crappy android phone i cannot remember what it is but i in my, i sort of always thought that you'd to, to have at least a decent android experience you're looking at a nine hundred dollars um that's actually a really nice phone a little bit and i suppose i'm quite spoiled with the s2 being so light but a little bit heavy probably for my taste but perfectly usable what a mm. fantastic price point well mm. alistair made the comment probably you know the three of us probably you know we it wouldn't be a phone that that we would sort of accept as quite good enough but uh, for those that are just coming into maybe their smir- first um, uh, smartphone, um, it's uh, it's not a it's not a uh, a bad device for the for no, the money. For the it's, it's probably the best we've seen around yeah, that price yeah, point. Right? Yeah, for a casual user who's mm. who's not going to use it all day, mm. who mostly does phone calls but wants to keep up with a bit of Twitter and a bit of Facebook, maybe, mm. uh, and also of course listen to a bit of music on it. Yeah. So other a uh, couple of other phones, um, both from uh, Nokia actually. So that that one was the G three hundred from Huawei. Um, the Lumia 610 is now available in New Zealand, which is the lowest end of the Windows phones. Um, that's selling for uh, 449 from uh, Vodafone, and that runs the sort of slightly uh, cut-down version of um, uh, Windows phone, Windows phone um, Tango. Um, but in terms of its responsiveness and, and so on, I think it, you know it's the same as all the Windows phones. It's, it's, it's very responsive. Um, there are a few apps that won't w- won't run on it, but uh, word is that that most of those major ones are just being um, uh, tweaked, and there'll be updates out so that you'll be able to run Skype. And uh, I think it's Skype and Angry Birds might be the one the big ones that don't uh, don't run on it at the moment. So and still, no, still not, yeah, non-syncing Angry Birds not running no. on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the other uh, the other phone series are now yeah the the now I mentioned that comes in at four four nine. That was also the the price of the Huawei G three hundred was shipping at initially. Uh, if that's an example, then we might see that price drop um, down by a hundred bucks or so over the next uh, couple of months. So um, I could be completely wrong there, uh, but based on some of the prices we're seeing in other markets, I wouldn't be surprised if if that ultimately drops to uh, uh, three four nine or, or two nine nine by the, you know by by Christmas. But the price point it's at at the moment. It's still not too bad for a um, a, a pretty slick and, and capable um, handset. Uh, it's, it's the lowest price that we've seen in New Zealand for a Windows uh, phone device, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yep. Uh, and the, yeah, the Windows phone sort of seven um, type devices. And uh, the other one that I've seen, uh, and I think most of the carriers are doing this as, as well, and this is really at the, lo- at the lower uh, price point, and it's not a full smartphone, it's more sort of a feature phone, um, is the Nokia Asher um, series of phones. And there's 
there's a, a, a range of those devices, uh, but they're, um, you know, I guess they give some of the, the benefits of battery life and, and, uh, and robustness of, um, of Nokia um, without, you know, all the smartphone sort of fanciness of, um, of their Windows phones. And even at the 199 uh, price point, they've got a, a touch screen and, and so on. So uh, worth considering if you're, if you're trying to, uh, you know, push a family member, you know, slightly toward modern times with their phone, and you know they keep saying, oh, "I just need something I can make phone calls with and 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 do the odd text message." You know, you can uh, maybe push them in the direction of 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 one of these uh, these three phones that we've uh, we've mentioned might be quite useful. I don't know about you guys, but when you ever go to fix like a family member's or a friend's phone and they don't have a touch screen because it's one of those old phones, you you sort of look at it lost because you keep trying to push the screen <laughs> and. I don't know. I haven't had a, a, a smartphone, or I suppose I have, for that long. And just the whole fact of not having touchscreens seems so weird and so hard to... And you've got to try and work the buttons and I don't know. No, it's something you get used to very quickly. And, and in fact, um, you know, my 18-month-old son gets, uh, gets uh, you know, always has a somewhat perplexed look on his face when he touches any device that doesn't have a touchscreen. Um, you know, you've touched my laptop screen and, you know, wonders why no- nothing's happening because <laughs> all of the other, you know, He's little devices like that, he, that, he, device. that he gets his hands near, he can, he can do something with. So, um, um, yeah, roll on the day when, when everything has a touch screen and uh, uh, you don't have to think about it, even your television. Um, anyway, that's, that's a discussion for another day. Uh, I think that probably wraps us up uh, with the NZ Tech podcast uh, this week. Uh, certainly, uh, lots to uh, to think about and and to uh, more to find out about with uh, Microsoft Surface announcements. So we will be filling uh, filling you in on those uh, as uh, as we get that info. And um, yeah, I guess it's really been all about um, uh, Microsoft this w- this week. They've really uh, they've taken the attention with their uh, their their big announcement. So it definitely worked. They they have done well. They really have. Um, um, yeah, been been quite smart around the way they're um, uh, playing this announcement. Put it that way. All right. Well, th- well thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, we'll catch you next week here on the NZ Tech Podcast. Uh, you can of course find us online nztechpodcast dot com uh, on Twitter at nz tech podcast and facebook dot com slash nz tech podcast. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners that have um, uh, been kind enough to uh, to jump on our page and to. Um, to give us a like I think it's up to about 2,000 of you now in that direction so thank you very much um, now guys if uh, anyone wants to uh, track you down where do we uh, where do we find you Nate well let's hope they're tracking me down online and not following me home um, my blog is natedunn.com so that's done D-U-N-N or just Nate on Twitter excellent and I'm DemitasNZ that's uh, on Twitter at DemitasNZ and my website DemitasNZ very good thanks guys uh, and of course you can track me down uh, online uh, paulspain.com or techjungle.com and uh, Paul Spain is my Twitter handle so that's it that's us see you all soon night all cheers